I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh. That's right. I'm shooting deep from downtown like Max Struess tonight. Do you regret that uh, letting him go, Josh? Now? Yeah. After he's hitting big shots and puffing out his chest in Summer League. What big did he in Summer League? Uh, Yeah. Are are you watching the Miami Heat Summer League? Is that what's happening here? Hey, man, I stay with my guys. When I put my faith in a guy like Struess, I, I make sure I follow up. He's still out there, man. He's still the going to make a team. The rest of us were rooting for laundry. Included in that, I assume, is Mike Minkoff. Yeah, and I'm out here ready to reject all of your bad takes, like Time Lord, newly extended Time Lord in a net playoff series. Mike yeah, Minkoff with the block. Let's go. We're going to be talking about Rob Williams' extension, News just in, all hot off the presses. Josh Richardson also with an extension, one year, twelve point four million. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about this new identity that this new team has with guards who, as Josh puts it, can defend but can't shoot. And um, we'll come circle back to this Bradley Beal idea. Is he coming? Is can he still come? What are the Celtics doing with their cap sheet? Let's start with Robert Williams. You guys, I feel like I'm alone here. I don't think this is a good signing. Uh, This is an overpay. I'm not a fan of this Robert Williams extension. And there's four reasons. Let me just hit them, like, overview for you. We can talk one by one. Before you get to those four, can I ask you a very quick question? Yeah. Now that you've said that, how does it feel to be the least popular Celtics media persona out there, having just said what you said? Because because you're against the extension, the Time Lord extension. Yeah. Just that by virtue of being against it, I person? think so. Yeah, I think I think all Celtics fans are anti Adam Motenko right now. Well, I I don't I'm not trying to win a popularity contest here. Just talking Celtics. This is what I think. There are four okay. reasons. Number one, uh, he performs like a guy who's in a center by committee, uh, but he's getting a contract for a starting player who actually stays on the court. This guy has not proved he can stay on the court. Number two, he's a center. They come cheaper. It's sort of a Belichickian money allocation thing here. We should not be paying a ton of money to centers. Number three, he's a restricted free agent. We did not need to do this yet. And number four, it doesn't make sense compared to the other moves this offseason. And uh, this idea of creating cap space next year to sign Beal, now that's basically impossible. Which one of these do you guys want to talk about first? I, I want to start with the last one because that, that's just objectively incorrect. The second we sign Marcus Smart to an extension, we we forfeit the possibility, absent trading Smart for with and taking back zero salary, which was highly unlikely to happen, um, uh, we forfeit the possibility to sign a max player outright next season in free agency. We we had already this this was kind of mentioned on the Celtics blog Slack that we basically made the decision to operate as an over the cap team next off season. And so the then it made sense to get Robert Williams ex, Williams extended um, at that point, uh, at least from that basis, from that from that angle. Okay, at the same time Wait, that they uh, signed Smart, they also said we're looking for flexibility, and part of the flexibility that I assumed was the opportunity to, if they decided, work as an under the cap team next off season because you could trade Smart and not receive any money back. That was a possibility. I, I, I'm not saying it was highly likely, but I think that w- that is a tradable contract. But that again, I, I, I think I think you're overstating, you're understating how unlikely it was because they could have they would have had to trade smart. They would they would have to decide not to pick up any of the team options on Romeo or Grant Williams at the end of training camp this season. This season, they have to yeah. make that decision this season. Yep. Um, they're not going to do that. They're going to at least pick up Romeo. They're probably going to pick up both. Um, 
they would have to renounce all of their other cap holds. Um, so again, I think as soon as they made the, the decision, they would have had to waive Horford um, or trade him and take back no salary or less salary than what's the, the partial guarantee. I think as soon as they made that smart, the decision to, to extend smart, they, they were not part of their approach on flexibility was going to be predicated around salaries and uh, that could be traded. And so the salaries and certain price bands that were tradable and, and aggregatable um, yeah. versus operating as a, a team, a, a major player in free agency. Yeah. So you're saying they went from highly unlikely to basically impossible now in terms of, uh, yes, they went from like space. 99% sure it wasn't going to happen to a hundred percent sure it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I wasn't looking at it as 99%, but I understand what you're saying. The other thing that this does is it means that they're not trading. They have basically removed uh, Robert Williams as a trade asset next season. So if they're trying to trade midseason for Beal, Rob Will is not part of that deal because wow. of the con because the difference between the contract that he was making before and the contract that he's going to make next year is is like a poison pill for. Um, for trades you have to like because you have to match salaries the team that is taking robert williams in receives it as his salary for uh future years at the like 13 and a half million right. number and we are sending it out as a what's he uh, making this year four i think he's making like that. that i thought it, well, i thought he was making four and nine is it is it four no and a half is it that low no he made three and a half last year so it might be as high as five on the last year of a rookie deal okay uh but I, yeah i think I don't remember the exact number. Um, so, so it basically makes him Im almost impossible to trade next year, just in terms of matching salaries. It, it, mid mid season, it makes it difficult to trade mid in mid season. Okay. Once the season ends and it's the new it, next year is uh, once this season ends officially, then he would have the the number that he has in on this extension. Well, and at the it rate that eminently, Brad... eminently easier to trade him at that point than if he was a restricted free agent. So, at the rate Bradley Beal is going with his trade demands, uh, he's probably just going to go into unrestricted free agency. You just hit the market, and it'll end up being a sign and trade for whoever wants Beal. That's what mm -hmm. I would assume. That's how things go these days. You mean not making trade demands? Yeah, exactly. Like he's just going to stick it out for another. What does he have left? Year, right? So yeah. at the at the end of the year. Then he'll. And he might just and, sign a and, max and stay in Washington. He has yep. literally not indicated at all that he wants to leave. Exactly. So, Mike, exactly. let's ask Adam why he put that down as number four. Adam, why did you write down as number four that it's going to impact the Bradley Beal thing? Because I think there's been an assumption that a lot of fans have this offseason that that is the hope. That that maybe there's some some understanding between Tatum and Beal as friends growing up that Beal is going to come here and the Celtics have an inside track to that and looking at the moves that the front office has made this off season up until now that you could view that as supporting that hypothesis and it's very clearly not at this point uh, the idea that the team. Uh, can spend into the luxury tax one, which Brad Stevens said in his last press conference that he has a right to. He's been given permission to by the front office, and one of the reasons they signed um, Schroeder to a the I can't remember which one the lower mid level exception instead of the ten million dollar one was be because they didn't want to get hard capped so that they could spend into the luxury tax if they wanted to. Um, yet they have not really shown a willingness to do so yet, um, and. Um, I lost my train of thought. Forgot where I was going there. So, if, if he's, if I mean, I, I'm under the impression that you can still trade for Bradley Beal. You just have to put pieces together yes. that you just resigned. So it's yes. still not impossible to get Bradley Beal. No, but it's let. So Robert Williams, did you expect that he would be part of that uh, package for for Beal? I think it depends when the package is happening. If it's like a sign-in trade, because he's He's played out his contract for the entire year, and we're talking it's next offseason. It's going to take less to get him, I think, than it would midseason. For sure. For sure. So this basically puts Robert Williams out of any potential deal in the next year. And uh, and to me, that makes it slightly less likely that Beal would come here in a trade this coming season. I, this is such slightly. a confusing conversation for me. Like, you guys are talking about, like, 
Bradley Beal, like we've just butchered this very likely chance we had of getting Bradley Beal, like, or the sign in trade could still happen. Sure. A sign in trade could still happen. Like, I think the chances the Celtics get Bradley Beal is like 10% or less. Like this is not, we're, we're not hanging our hats on the likelihood that we're going to get Bradley Beal where we signed a player that we think has a lot of potential and has shown some incredible flashes to a good cost controlled contract at the one point or one of the points, Adam, that you brought up that we haven't talked about yet is that we're overpaying him. Um, And I think we should talk about that because I think, I think like we just disagree on whether it was worth paying this amount of money at this time. Another piece that we haven't heard reported yet that, so I'll just, my personal opinion is that if there's no team options, if there's no incentives around games played, I'm still comfortable with this deal. That said, I bet there's go- we're going to find out that there's a team option in the last year or partial guarantees or incentives on- based on games reached that are going to make some of the-, the things that you're upset about as far as the dollar value attached to this less problematic when more details about the contract come out. That's my guess. Well- I Just would love guess. to see that. Yep. And my reaction here is all based on an assumption that it's it's just the straight what is it? 4 years 56 million, 54 million. Averaging out to 13 and a half. So let's talk about this value because my my biggest issue here is that Robert Williams cannot stay on the court. He has averaged 38 games a year in his 3 seasons in the league. He has only started 16 games in his entire career. He averages for his career 14.7 minutes a game, 19 minutes a game last year, but 14.7. Let me give you guys some comps to this, okay? 38 games per year on average, 14.7 minutes a game, only 16 games started. Romeo Langford, 25 games a year, 13 minutes per game. So similar minutes per game. These are like, these are low level players. Grant Williams, 66 games a year. He plays. Grant Williams has played averaged more minutes per game than Robert Williams. Sixteen point five. Yeah, but who? But who would you rather have on your team right now? Well, the point is, this Grant Williams. Yeah. I don't think of him as somebody who is a resoundingly helpful player for the Celtics, and yet he has only two less starts than Robert Williams. Semi Ojale, same average minutes per game, sixty-four games a year, twenty-four starts. Like the Celtics had three centers on their team. They had two centers on their team last year that started almost three times as many games as Robert Williams has in his career. They started that number of games last year, just last year. Daniel Tice, 51 starts, Tristan Thompson, 43. Almost three times as many starts. Robert Williams has not proven that he is a starting player in the NBA. He has not proven he can stay on the court in the NBA. And we are paying him like he is a top 15 center in the league. We're paying him like he is a starting center who can play 30 minutes a game. And he just isn't yet. So, yeah, I mean, again, we, we're we just going to disagree on, on whether it's worth making this decision. Uh, correct, he has not proved that he can stay healthy. He has he has proven that he wi- he is improving. Um, and he's he's getting closer and closer to being able to be kind of a reliably disruptive player on the court, at least when he's on the court, which was a, one of the which was the other big question about him, right? Is can he kind of can the game slow down enough for him that he can kind of make the the right reads on defense and be in the right place consistently and and not you know not get stupid fouls and not j- jump and get out of position trying to go for blocks that he doesn't have to go for. And he's made a lot of really important strides on that side of the ball. Um, on offense, he's he's really, really effective. Uh, obviously, as a lob threat, he's gotten much better as a screener. Uh, he's a very, very good passer. Um, so one thing you said, Adam, was he hasn't proven it. Now, and your argument is ba- basically boils down to we should wait until he proves it before we pay him. And we're, he's a restricted free agent. There's no need to pay him now. The yeah, flip the third side part, of it, he's a restricted the, free agent. The flip, there's the, no need to do it now. The flip side of it is if the team's belief, if the team believes in him and they believe that he has more more to show and that if he, his 
injury information is such that he could have a really solid or strong year this year. Um, his, his kind of commitment to self-improvement is such that he could have a really strong year this year. If the, the, the cal- risk calculation is, well, let's pay him more than he's proven he's worth now on the basis that if we wait, he's going to get a salary that's too cost prohibitive for us to match. Or if we do match it, we're going to be in a worse and less flexible financial situation in a year, a year from now. And that's, that's the calculus. And they made a decision that's different than what you would make. I think it was a good decision. And I do that without all the information that they have available and without knowing if there's any trade-offs or incentives. So you and I just have a different base valuation of, of the risk that we would take at this point in time based on what we know about Robert Williams. So Mike, the fact that he's a restricted free agent next year, that we did not actually need to sign him to an extension, we could have waited until next year and then seen, one, what kind of a year he had, and two, what other teams would be interested in him, still with the ability to match any offer that they had, or if he got some offer that we may not have wanted to, to match to potentially trade him and get assets back, why I mean, now? it's not it's not uncommon to make these offers now. Uh, Atlanta offered like a four... 480 or, or something like that to John Collins last year. He turned it down. He made mm-hmm. a bet on himself and he, it paid off. Um, here was a situation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or 525, wasn't it? Um, oh, 4 I plus 125, I think. Yeah. Um, but so, I, I mean, to me, it's, it's a matter of this was a situation where the team didn't, there was a risk to the team and letting it play out and, and Williams value ballooning past a point that they were going to feel comfortable matching and there was a risk to the player because he hasn't proven his track record and so they came you know i i think it's i think anyone that's watched robert williams can can foresee a reasonable a reasonable uh future where he outplays the value of this contract but and, it's and not I a think guarantee people, otherwise he'd be paid more I think those people are looking at his time on the, when he is on the court and how he performs in no, those it's moments. It's not a sure thing. Adam, if it was a sure thing, he would get a max extension. It's no a risk. No way. There is no way that he's, that even if he were Okay, healthy, maybe not a max extension. That's max. an exaggeration. But he'd get a lot more than he's getting paid now. See, that is, like, a, see, well, that is like that's the last Capella piece. Money. Okay? Clint Capella is making $16.5 a year. He's making three more million than this guy. This is the thing people are missing. They look at the 13.5 and they go, oh, that's not a ton of money. It is for a center. That's not a lot of money for a wing. It is a lot of money for a center. You're paying him like he's like ninth or 10th best center in the league. No, you're, you, okay, first of all, you keep increasing the number uh, in the pecking order where he's paid. He's like the 18th look, highest paid center in the league right now. Um, <laughs> I thought he was a lot higher than that. No, he's I not. Think, I think he's a lot higher. I he, think he's, he ma- he's no, he's no more than fifteenth. I don't believe. No, well, hey, well, you guys. Uh, go Josh, look you it shared out. a list of this, and he was like eighteen. That list included like Giannis. It included like one or two like maybe centers. I, th- I think Giannis is legit classified as a center, so I, I was fine with it. But anyway, well, go ahead. Josh. Well, you, well, you guys go look it up. Let me just say a few things about Robert Williams. I, I got the, when, I got it right here, Josh. You want to go first? <laughs> Oh, I'm wondering how much longer this little tit for tat's gonna go because um, there's some things that feel like you guys aren't seeing. He's he's uh, he is eleventh. He's eleventh in the NBA at the at the rate that he was just extended for. Not he's the eleventh highest paid center in the league. Yeah, that's pretty high. So here's the thing about Robert Williams and and about our off season in general. The, there were certain things that needed to happen this off season. We needed a new GM. Then we needed a new coach. Then we needed to re-sign Marcus Smart. Kind of in that order. One of the other things that I believe we needed to do is make sure that we've got Robert Williams in the fold and, and, and to make sure that he's like given the incentive to perform at the level that we need him to perform at. I think that we need Marcus Smart. I think that we need Robert Williams too. I think when those two guys are on the court, our Tatum-Brown combo kind of is is like playoff ready. And, you know, even though Robert Williams hasn't played as much as we'd all want him to play, and that injury concern is huge, um, probably bigger to me than than the fact that we're paying that much for a center. 
Because if he does stay healthy and he does perform to the level we know he can perform at, like his athleticism and his, his defense brings our whole squad to a whole other level. Um, and then not to mention all the stuff Mike mentioned about his passing and, and things like that. So, I mean, just to have, we'll go into it later in the pod, but we don't have shooters on the weak side. We can't skip the ball. We need the lob threat with the roll man is really important to us. And Horford can't catch lobs, you know, like Ennis Cantor can't, can't catch lobs. Like Robert Williams opens up a whole new part of the pick and roll and a part of our game offensively and defensively that I think is just really vital. And so I don't, you know, you're betting on the the future and you're betting on like talents coming to fruition. Um, and so sometimes that's risky, but I think that this is a guy that that's like, he's shown he's a part of the core. And I think, I think the other guys on the team really want him too. like, if you ask Tatum and Brown, like, do we need this guy? Yeah. Betting on development is normal in a situation like this. If it were just betting on development, I'd be fine with it. It's not. I mean, I, I would have some issues with the fact that he's that you're paying that amount for a center, but okay, I would understand. My issue, my biggest issue, is the fact that he can't be, stay on the court. This guy, this is a center with lower, multiple lower leg injuries. So who, who hasn't look, even we, been able to play like half a season yet? So this like, is why I again games in a row together. I think I think you're reacting a bit too strong too soon because we don't know the full contract details. And I just look at like the Zach Collins deal mm-hmm. that came out and it was like three years, $22 million. And everyone was like, yeah. Whoa, that's way too much. But it's one fully guaranteed year. The second year is partially guaranteed at a pretty low partial guarantee. I don't remember the exact number. Um, and the third year is fully non-guaranteed. So oh. like it is entirely possible to me that there are some favorable guarantees in this deal. And that again, there are some games reached incentives. Like, so I, I would, I would be pretty surprised if there wasn't anything of any of those. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure the Celtics have some same concerns about the, uh, Robert Williams's injury history, but they also want to kind of create a favorable situation where they can bet on his potential. Um, and I could see for Robert Williams and his agent wanting to kind of find an arrangement that, that likewise kind of parlayed. And, and mitigated some of the risk for the Celtics, but also get, gave Robert Williams an opportunity to get more guaranteed money than he uh, otherwise would have, especially if injuries continue to derail his season yep. this year. So, Robert um, Williams has made five million dollars for his career up until this up until this upcoming season. He's a guy who should want to lock in that next contract for life changing money. Right. Uh, so, so, Mike, are so you expecting if, are you expecting him to have unguaranteed non guaranteed years at the end of this partial guarantees or just I'm really curious. I would play. I would expect him to have at least at least a partial guarantee on the fourth year I'm curious if it would be as aggressive as like a partial guarantee third year and non-guaranteed fourth year or something like that um or a fully non-guaranteed fourth year I I'm really really curious <laughs> really that, that's, I, I want to know that's pretty um, rare for extensions that would be new as far as I'm concerned I, I I don't I don't know the answer. Especially for a player at know. his level, like the, the guys that get extended are max players and players who uh, the team is getting a really good deal on. And I just Adam, don't. He, he's, he's Adam. Here's the thing: category. if if he plays seventy games, sixty games, and plays like we think he can play, and yeah. then does that again, and then does that again, I no, think no, that no. this no, contract no. could end up being a steal. I think that if I think he that does if he does that next year, Josh, if he does that next year, what do you think he's getting offered as a restricted free agent? That's the real question here. More than this, like what number is he getting? How much? I, more? I think I yeah, think it I could think be eighteen Jared to twenty-two million a year. Exactly. The Jared, the Jared, Allen, the Jared Allen, Allen example. The Jared like, Allen was such a crazy overpay, like right by yeah, a, and Jared by a front Allen's office better. that I don't really trust. And, and he's Jared better. Allen's yeah, and he's he's proven a lot more. Yep, and it's so in Jared Allen, market. twenty million a year. Apparently, Toronto was after Jared Allen, but do you really think Masai was going to play twenty million to a middle of the road center like Jared Allen? I don't. I think I don't, I I don't think, think Cleveland Robert... had any competition for him. So first of all, Williams' salary next year is going to be like eleven million. Um, I think there are would be plenty of teams that would offer him at least fifteen million. 
the salary cap is also probably going to jump pretty sizably in what two or three seasons yeah. we talked about that last episode so i think this is going to be a situation where like when avery bradley signed his deal everyone was like four for 32 that's crazy and then like a year and a half into it everyone was like oh that's a really movable deal was that I the actual Robert number williams I, i'm pretty sure it was four for 32 you remember that number good memory if Robert Williams had a really good year next year and he, he plays 70 plus games and he's playing 25 minutes a game and he's playing well and we need to pay him 18 million a year, I'm okay with that. What? Like there, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of overpays in the market for centers. Steven Adams, Miles Turner, wait. 18 million. Steven Adams wait, wait. is 17. You're, you're, like, you're complaining about this overpay, but you'd be okay with that overpay when that overpay would be more restrictive to the team. That doesn't I, make any sense. I, I would rather overpay for somebody that has actually proven an ability to stay on the court than pay slightly less for them and have and like we I, I really don't trust that Robert Williams can stay healthy in his career. I just don't trust it. And Josh, you know, for someone who always is saying the best ability is availability, I'm shocked you're cool with this because he, no. he has no ability in that area. And for Mike, like if if you're saying, well, the team must have information on his health history that makes them not worried, I completely agree with you. They must have that. And then my next question is, why hasn't he been able to be on the court for his first three years then? Like, is it just just like fluky nagging injuries? I like, okay. I mean, I think the turf toe was pretty fluky that he had in the playoffs at the end of the season. And the hip edema must not be a, a long-term concern. At least for Brad, or or at least not in the next three to four years. I mean, Brad, so, like so the it's, team is super invested in sports science, um, and and like projecting health and well being of players. Like I'm sure they're looking at it and factoring it into their decision. I, again, I I would be shocked if there were. I'm I'm. I'm still okay with it, even if there aren't, but I would be shocked if there aren't incentives and non-guarantees or partial guarantees. I'd, just, I'd be shocked. Everybody that loves this deal loves it because they're going, if he does, if he does, if he can stay on the court, if he can reach his potential, then it'll be a steal. So, yeah, but half the deals in the NBA are like that, in my opinion. You're not, you're not paying for what's been proven in the NBA. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting that we need to. It's, uh, I, I don't you're, think you're that's the case. You're literally suggesting we need to. <laughs> No, I don't. I think it's the case for development. Great. If it's for uh, health, for somebody that hasn't proven they can stay on the court, you don't see those deals often. So the the other piece of this that where may, maybe I'm uh, unreasonable, but I but I think what one of the other reasons I I really like this and why I'm really happy we didn't try to kind of grind it out and and play play basically the game of chicken and, and wait for the RFA deal, you know, approach this with the maximum shrewdness available to us effectively is because I think the team has a lot of reputational uh, damage to undo from, from the fact that Ainge always operated that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think, I don't think it played to the Celtics favor over the long term. Uh, so I think Robert Williams was, a player that they took late. He was a little bit of a knucklehead, very little bit of a knucklehead uh, in the early going, but he's acquitted himself extremely well. He works really hard by all accounts. He's a great teammate, great locker room guy, um, a little bit goofy. Um, and I think the team believes in him and wants to invest in him and doesn't want to like let it play out to RFA just because it can. And I think that matters. So I'm, I'm happy that we're doing that. So you think it's a symbol? They're sending a message to the rest of the the team or the rest of the league that they're turning. Yeah, I think it's just it's like it's how an organization chooses to treat its players and do business. Just because you have an avenue available to you doesn't mean you have to execute it. I mean, that, I I I think that's a big point, Mike. I also think like when you're looking at like who are our guys, like who's a part of the core, like. Rob is in there. He's not one of the young guys anymore. Like, if you look at the younger guys on the team and you look at Romeo and Neesmith and Pritchard, like, Time Lord's, he's out of that category. He's got a nickname. He's got, he's got the game to match it. I think that he's, he's more proven, even though he can't stay healthy. Like, he's just, in our minds, like, he's our guy. 
And so I think that that's, that's the, the GM saying he's our guy. Okay, last point. Resource allocation, paying money for a center. At this point in the NBA, wings are king. Those are the guys you want to be spending money on. Point guards, much easier to find. You do it. You need a dynamic one to start the offense. Centers, also easy to find. If you can get an amazing one that can play both ways and stretch the floor, wow, an advantage. But for the most part, teams are spending money on where the value is, and that's on the wings. That's players who can defend multiple positions, switch on defense, and shoot the ball. Those are the so, high-value players. So part of my issue here is it's a big uh, outlay of, of money, of a percentage of the cap, for a center. Do you guys think that we should be like taking an approach to how we design our roster by saying, well, we should be paying centers less money and point guards less money and wings more money? That's how I, I feel. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the truism from three years ago is as true now. The MVP of the league is like a 270 pound uh, Serbian nightmare, um, <laughs> Serbian dervish. I don't know what is it like. Uh, the 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 teams with the best records in the respective conferences had max centers. Um, the Giannis in the is regular effectively season. a center. In the regular, in the regular season, okay. yeah. yeah. If you Giannis include Giannis a, as a center, Gian, then, but Giannis then is effectively a center. But if you look the, back when, over the last the few years of the best, teams, he plays as a center. I, I completely agree. If you look back over the the teams that won the championship the last few years, they they were not paying their centers a ton of money. Are Anthony Davis? Uh, are you considering him a center? A center? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. yeah well, the point days. the point of Robert Williams is that he can play an he can play against super athletic mobile centers and be switchable on the perimeter, right? He's, yeah. he's unique in his athleticism and agility. Um, and so they're like, like there's a, you know, for me, the way, one of the kind of contrasting individuals in the league that, that I've gone to in thinking about this extension is Jakob Podol, um, on, on the Spurs who, is like a remarkably uh, solid and valuable defensive player. Um, and in a lot of ways, he's kind of like the opposite of Robert Williams. And he doesn't have flashy athleticism. Uh, he stays on the court. You know, he plays his 20 to 25 minutes a game. He makes it makes a big difference. Uh, he's paid a, a few two to three million dollars a year Eight. less. His his deal um, average is eight point seven five a year. Yeah, so, so, like three, so mil- three million ish less, three and a half, four, three point seven plus. five. Yeah, uh, and he and that's a good comp because he they waited for him to be to get to restricted free agency and then that's the number they gave him. So, but look, if you're if you're trying to guard Joel Embiid or you're trying to guard Giannis or you're trying to switch off of like switch LeBron onto some onto your center. You don't want Jakob Podol being that guy. That that's, want, that was that's where Williams. I was going. You want that's where Robert I was Williams. going. That's where like, I was going. Is that he's our Jakob... best shot to guard any of these guys off of a random switch, or to guard anyone who's too big for everybody else, like whether that's Jokic or or Embiid. He's really this is important to the a team. Concession. We like this. This deal is as much as anything. The team saying, <laughs> ready or not, we need Robert Williams to grow into and exceed this contract either because he's going to be part of our core when we're getting to championship contention, or because he's going to be one of the pieces that brings in that player that moves us there. Um, But like, we have to make a bet on Robert Williams because that's, that's he's key to our path to getting to championship contention. And And that, that's what this deal signals to me. And I'm, I, I don't disagree with that. And our Giannis stopper is now playing in Milwaukee. Semi Well, no, we got so we got Al now. Too. We got Al now. Let go. me ask you this question: Would you rather have Evan Fournier and Daniel Tice next year, or Robert Williams and Josh Richardson? Oh, man, that's tough. Because that's w- that's what we're talking about here. They would not shell out the money for Evan Fournier, but they'll add the extra money 
and and they got rid of uh, Daniel Tice because he was going to be too expensive. He's he just resigned for I think it was nine million nine nine and a half. Or it's basically the the full MLE for four years with the Bulls. Why can't like, that's we a reasonable time, deal? Why can't we choose Time Lord and Fournier in that scenario? Like, what what because was so the, bad? Because the that? front office didn't want to do that. Job. I agree. I agree. I, I, again, I don't think this Fournier deal, I said it before, everybody freaked out, said it was too much money. It's not. Three years, 20 million, the last year is unguaranteed. That's a reasonable deal for him. He's a good player. And I, and I think you should be spending the money on wings like that. But part of the thing with, with uh, Robert Williams being a center getting this money is that you can piece together your Daniel Tice's, your, your uh, Boucher's, your Podol's, your, your, like, you can get guys making the minimum, making $5 million a year that can play minutes there. Uh, and you can shell out $10 million a year for but a I, reasonable starting center and then fill in you, elsewhere. Not if you want to win the championship. Yeah, it's exactly. I, and like, you I, I think Daniel, Daniel Tice ran up against Bam and couldn't do it. Daniel Tice can't do anything against Giannis. Daniel Tice can't do anything against Anthony Davis. I love Daniel Tice. I thought he was awesome. I thought he was wildly underrated here. Anytime Bill Simmons talks about how Celtics fans hated Daniel Tice, I want to scream at Bill Simmons because I'm like, what are you talking about? You're misrepresenting most Celtics fans that I follow, I see on Twitter. Like Agreed. Daniel Tice was awesome, Love but but at the chance, like he's not going to be a championship level center. Robert, the Celtics are investing in Robert Williams because they think he could be. Yeah, you he want might a guy not who's be. got another level. There's in. a risk there. There's a hundred percent a risk there. But the Celtics are, are making a calculated risk. You disagree with it? Of course they are. I get that. We all know. I, we all I'm know, Mike, that. Mike. We all know that they are. The question is, how do you feel about it? You yeah, do you think I, Robert I Williams is going to be that guy? I, you think he's going to be that guy? I think it, I think it's worth the risk. Yes. Yeah. I think he's going to be that guy. I think he, I think he's got another level in him that when he plays all year, finally healthy, and and Adam can like have a big sigh of relief, and then we get to the playoffs. He's one of the guys that could like raise his play a, like a huge level, a whole step up, like as the playoffs continue. Like he can be an X factor yeah. type guy. He's just that kind of athlete and and uh, basketball savant. <laughs> and I, I would have I, waited to let him show that and then paid him more. Paid so him more I also, part of this part of Celtics Pride podcast is is like really letting us know how you feel about it. I'm glad you shared how you feel. Got all that anger out, like. <laughs> yeah, let's use this as therapy right now. I also um, one one last one very quick thought on Robert Williams. I do think you know we've started to see a little bit of his like fifteen to twenty foot jumper come out. I think I think that wow. that could become a more Uh-oh. reliable weapon. And I am not I'm not ruling out. You know where this is Uh-oh. going. The possibility Uh-oh. of of the <laughs> Time whole... Lord from from three at some point, not necessarily <laughs> next season. But at some point in the night, in the course of this four-year deal, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's working his way out there. Just like Tristan Thompson last year, right, Mike? Yeah, that one didn't. That one didn't look so good. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> I still after, have to pay you guys for that, Mike. After having such a good point, uh, you know, hammering that point home so Wait, well. Wait, you don't you think get, the you don't think the jump shot can come out? Not necessarily the three-point range, but you don't think we'll start seeing more of that fifteen to twenty-footer at least. Not only do I not think, uh, no, not only do I not agree with that, but I wouldn't have ended such a strong argument with such a baseless, <laughs> frivolous like addition at the end, like just to oh, make sure. It's coming. Like it oh, kinda, it's coming. It's it kind of like cut your legs out from underneath you. No way. As, no way. As concerned Adam, as I am or, about or Robert Josh, Williams staying on the I floor, <laughs> as concerned as I am about Robert Williams staying on the floor, I'm even more concerned about the idea that he's going to get a three-point stroke and, and shoot them at volume. Well, with this contract, Adam, he better. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. No, he doesn't. He doesn't that's, even. That's need what to do the that. that's what the three stands for in his name. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you guys know that? Did you guys know that Luke Cornett has started more than twice as many games as Robert Williams in his career? I kind of like Luke. Did you know? Did you know Luke Cornett has played for many more terrible teams than Robert Williams has in his career? Well, ESPN a, rela- a related has- fact. Did you know that Ennis Cantor has started uh, twice as many games, more than twice as many games as Robert Williams just last year for the playoff? The Port- Portland made the playoffs, right? Did they? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> Adam, right. how many Wait. summer leagues adds up to Robert Williams' total games played? <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about Josh Richardson? 
Um, yes, and there, and I just the transition to that is that I, I would probably be a little less annoyed by this signing if the the ownership group showed a a willingness to pay the luxury tax this year by re-signing Evan Fournier. So. And and if they didn't have a marketing PR uh, statements like oh we're looking for cap flexibility this year well clearly not in in the realm of signing a big time free agent next year after you said that that's not part of the flexibility that you're looking for and clearly you've now extended Josh Richardson another year so I'm a li- I'm just confused about what is this flexibility we're talking about if you're it's like you don't understand how sign and trades work I don't I don't or like, I mean. Like it, it's Settle like down. you don't understand how how cap sheets work going forward. <laughs> the flexibility of of not having people signed is part of what I assumed that they meant by that. So now acting as and an over the tax team with a assumption. lot of yep, and now so now they're acting as an over the cap team uh, going years years out, um, and and I'm just not clear on what that fle- flexibility looks like as you're signing people multiple years into the future. Maybe it so, looks like. like- Maybe it looks like just not thinking Fournier was worth the number he wanted and trying yep. to get a replacement for him at a lower number yep. so that you have some more cap flexibility, you know, six million or whatever it is. So it was one extra year of Fournier as opposed to the next two of Richardson. At at a much at higher a high, at a higher number that may have been yeah. harder to move. Yeah. Yep. So I mean the worst case scenario with that Richardson, like I was surprised by the Richardson extension. I'm not going to defend it to the death, but I also don't think it um, particularly limits our flexibility. It's a, it's a very movable salary number at that kind of middle band, $12 million, 12.6, whatever it's going to be next year. Um, Worst case scenario, it's a, it's an expiring deal effectively. After this year. After this year, do th- yeah. Do you think uh, Fournier is tradable at his deal? Three years, 60 mil? Because I think he is. Yeah. I, I, we talked about this the a couple episodes ago. I think he would have been salary filler. I don't. I think if you're trying to move him for a better player, he's not going to move the needle. Like I don't, I don't think people are going to look at right. him and be like, "Oh yeah, we can tell, we can sell our fans or our ownership right. that we got Evan Fournier." So but he's the next level below that. Isn't isn't New York doing that? Yeah, but maybe <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so, I don't think it, well, I don't think anyone in New York thinks they're going to the championship because they got Evan Fournier. I hope not. No, but I think this goes to Adam's point about like, don't you want to load up your money on your wings? And and there is a point to that. I think that there's the way the center position and the power forward position has gone from seven footers and six ten guys down to six nine guys who can switch on defense and they're really like large small forwards from the nineties. Um, what that's turned into is now you have like three different positions playing the wing sometimes four different positions playing the wing and you have a point guard and a a big small forward. So just because there's more wings on the court for you, you need to have better wings. You can do that, you know, with, with paying them a lot of money or you could do it through the draft. You know, like New York is another example of a guy of a team that's got a a really good big wing um, in RJ Barrett, who's still on a rookie deal with all everything else that they have. So um, that's why the Fournier thing is better than, than the Josh Richardson thing, in my opinion, here. Um, but we got to move the pot on. I feel like there's the bigger issue of like the size of our wings or whether we're spending our money on on these wings is like, what can these wings do? And I've been I've been wondering if I need to go to SA. It's not AA, not for alcohols. It's for spacing, like people for who who are addicted to spacing on the basketball court. I'm wondering if I'm one of those guys because I'm looking at our team, and our guards can't shoot. You know, we've got Tatum shooting 40% and Brown shooting 38%. Those are career numbers from three. But who's going to help them space the floor, right? So the next person you'd probably think of is Neesmith or Pritchard. Pritchard shooting 41%. But, you know, is he a guy that we want playing 30 minutes a night? Probably not. Neesmith shooting 37%. And if we remember when he started his, his first year, he was 26% and then 32%. And then he got hot towards the end of the year. So we're expecting that 37% to raise up. Um, and maybe, you know, Adam, I know that you're, you've talked about Horford shooting. He's 36% for his career. That's, 
league average. Um, but if you look at our guards, Marcus Smart shoots 32% from, his, from three for his career. Jay Rich, 35.8%. Schroeder, 33.7%. And we don't need to talk about like Romeo and Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards. Those guys are at or below 30%. Um, so our guards with those guys, 31%. If you're just talking about like Smart, Richardson, and Schroeder, the guards who are going to play big minutes, they shoot 33.8% for their career. So when you're Tatum or Brown and you've got the ball on one wing and the, the big comes to set that screen and you're in that pick and roll, you're not really thinking about the skip pass unless you've got a Pritchard or Neesmith over there. Like That skip pass is kind of being taken away. And, and Horford doesn't really solve that, in my opinion. Um, the league average went up last year to 36.7%. So shooters are getting better and teams are getting better at the three. Um, and if you know we we're, we're going down, or our trajectory is going down in terms of where we rank among the league leaders in three-point percentage. Um, last year we were tenth in the NBA in three-point percentage at 37 percent. The Nets and Bucks, two of the top five teams, shot 39 percent or over. Um, we were 12th the year before that, seventh three years ago. So it feels like we're kind of going in the wrong direction with that tra- trajectory. So I'm wondering what you guys feel about this, like not just in the pick and roll, but I mean, do we want to now take the ball out of Tatum and Brown's hands? So they're the ones on the receiving end of a driving kick. I mean, that might be one of the things, uh, one of the reasons why we would get a, a Dennis Schroeder, who's a really quick driver and a Josh Richardson who can do a little bit of that too. Um, but I, I'm a little worried about this. This is, this is kind of why I'm mad Adam, today. Thanks for sharing why you were mad. Well, I was thinking I mean, about this earlier today. I think I think Horford helps with that for sure. Uh, I think that Schroeder is that's going to be an issue for him. But you do want the ball in his hands. You, uh, Josh, last podcast you mentioned that he's good off the ball, and I wasn't quite sure what you meant by that. But I'm assuming you mean like grabbing it and cutting off a pass. Um, but you're definitely going to need guys. Oh, and and Marcus Smart sounds like the ball will be in his hands more, and I want him initiating the offense. I want him bringing the ball up. I want him running a pick and roll. Um, and I want him passing off to, to those other guys. But I do expect that Tatum and Brown will be uh, secondary, if not primary ball handlers. And they are going to get trapped a lot. I think defenses are going to key on those guys, especially when there's only one of them on the floor. And you're going to need the guys they pass to to hit shots. Uh, so that is definitely an issue. Now, you're getting great defense with it, so I expect this team to be a top-five-ish defense again like they've been uh, a few years uh, coming up until last season. So hopefully you make up for that on the other end. So that was my next question. Does this team need to be a top-five defense to make up for their lack of shooting? Mike, what do you think? I mean, you hope that they're a top-five defense. I, I, I don't know. It boils down to a couple of things. I mean, one, what are you expecting from the team? Uh, I, I still don't really think they're going to crack higher than top four in the East. Um, and I think more likely maybe a fifth or sixth seed in the East. So, um, you know, they're off. The spacing is not ideal. The shooting is not ideal. But their offense is going to ride or die with um, – the ability of Tatum and Brown to become more effective as creators and playmakers that make, that make their teammates better. Um, and so, you know, there, there's kind of two sides to the spacing coin. One is, yeah, we need, we need the guys to get to hit shots when they get the ball fed to them, but we also need uh, our primary playmakers to be more effective at setting guys up to take good shots. Yeah. Um, I, I do think we'll see a healthy dose of Neesmith this year and a pretty healthy dose of, of Pritchard. And I think if Pritchard is, you know, Pritchard got pretty exposed. He, he showed in the, that summer league final, the, you know, we got to see the difference between a top 10 lottery pick and, a, a you know, end of the first, first round pick and, and what their kind of future prospects, right? Like Pritchard's not going to be able to hold his own against the elite athleticism and intensity of, of starting caliber, point guards and Davion Mitchell is a, a total terror. Um, but Pritchard is going to have a role that, that could be anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes a night. And if he's, he's keeping defenses honest and shooting those deep threes, especially that's going to be really significant for our team. 
And so I, I do think there's a real opportunity for both Pritchard and Neesmith to get run uh, because we have a dearth of shooters. I think um, one of the silver linings or benefits of Fournier not being on the team is that it opens up a lot more space for Neesmith in particular. Um, uh and, you know, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Brad Stevens made a comment in the, you know, in introducing Josh Richards, Richardson, how, you know, uh, the Celtics numbers were that Richardson's a better shooter than, you know, especially when he kind of gets the ball in the right places um, than his numbers, especially last year would suggest. So I think I think they're counting on him to be better. I'm, I'm curious, Josh, if if you have kind of at the ready Marcus Smart's three point shooting percentage for just his last i don't know two or three seasons versus his whole career um because i'd imagine it's a little higher than that 32 percent but i'm sure it's still not super <laughs> overall um so yeah anyway i i do think the team has a lot of defensive potential then again i thought that last year and we were a defensive nightmare so um you know i'll we'll wait we'll wait and see uh, my my, if I were going to pinpoint a biggest worry about this team, it wouldn't necessarily be uh, on our our spacing and shooting. It would honestly be, um, I, I'm still worried whether Jason Tatum has enough kind of true alpha dog in him to carry this team to where it needs to go. I, I'm not convinced he's got the like I'm going to go and take it that we need from a true one A player. Yeah, Marcus Smart's been at 36.4% in 2018. That was his best year. Then he went down to 347 and then last year 33%, you know, increasing the right, attempts so like per year. So like 34-ish. So he's getting back year. to his his career average of 32%. And then, you know, guys like Chris Dunn is not going to help us in that category. Like there's certain guys even the way I phrased it in my notes is even if you told certain guys that they could never shoot a three-pointer, Romeo, Carson Edwards, uh, Chris Dunn, we would still be averaging 34% from three or 33.8 um, among those guards. And that's another reason I miss Fournier. Um, and, and lastly, I feel like Marcus Smart is going to make up for this, his lack of shooting. I know he's going to be in the other team's head. He's going to be making winning plays, diving on the court, like... He's going to be generating momentum and and in in times of need for this team that that really uh, impact the wins and losses. And I don't know if these other guys are going to do that. Last point, you guys. Uh, Bill Russell is selling his house on Mercer Island in Seattle. It's only two point six million. You guys want to go in on that? Maybe do some crowdsourced fundraising and shack up together. He is including uh, signed Celtics basketball and his trophy case. Are you are you his real estate agent? That's it's only two point six, Josh. Come you, on, man. Yeah, I got I got that lying around. Yeah. Okay. I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. This has been Celtics Pride on Celtics Blog. Celtics Pride.